0: Five cold cases in Utah that remain mysterious. The Utah Department of Public Safety said that there are at least 400 cold cases in the Beehive State. From homicides and missing individuals to unidentified deceased persons, each of these cases certainly deserves proper attention. However, there are a few that really stand out. The sort that are terrifying enough to give us goosebumps. Here are five cold cases in Utah that remain mysterious. Number five, disappearance of Susan Powell. The disappearance of Susan Cox Powell is one of the most publicized cold cases in Utah and for some of the most twisted reasons. On the morning of December 6, 2009, Susan and her sons, Charles and Braden, went to church. A family friend later came to visit them at their home in West Valley City, Utah, just outside Salt Lake, and this would be the last time the woman was seen alive. The entire family was initially reported missing the following day, after their relatives became alarmed that the kids weren't dropped off at their daycare. Police came in to investigate the Powell residence, but found it empty. And investigators would later find traces of Susan's blood on the floor near the couch. The next day, the woman's husband, Joshua, returned home with the two boys. Upon questioning, he told the police that he and his kids left while his wife was still sleeping in the early morning of December 7th, and on that day, he took their children on a camping trip to Simpson Springs in western Utah. Things began to take a weird turn, then, when police found no evidence of a campsite in the place the father had indicated. What was even more suspicious was the fact that the man took the boy's camping when it was snowing heavily. Police immediately declared him a person of interest in Susan's disappearance. A few weeks later then, in January of 2010, Mr. Powell and his children moved back to Pallyup, Washington, to live with his father, Steve. Joshua claimed that he could no longer afford to live in Utah after he had gotten fired from his job. In September of 2011, Steve Powell was arrested for voyeurism charges, found in his possession with thousands of images of females being videotaped without their consent. It shocked everyone to discover that one of these unsuspecting subjects was Susan, his son's missing wife. Following the arrest, the Powell children were sent to live with Susan's parents while giving the father limited supervised visitation privileges. On February 5, 2012, a social worker brought the kids for their supervised visit and the boys got excited and ran ahead. The two quickly went inside and by the time the worker reached the door, she noticed that it was locked. Panic arose when she smelled gasoline all over the place. Concerned, she called 911 and a few moments later, the house exploded, instantly killing the three occupants inside. The subsequent investigation found out that right before the explosion, Josh had brutally murdered his young sons. The other people, whom police believed to have had knowledge of Susan's whereabouts, later died for various reasons. Josh's brother, Michael, passed away in 2013 by jumping off the roof of his apartment in Minneapolis. Police surmised he was heavily involved in the case, and meanwhile, Steve died in 2018 after serving his prison sentence. Today, Susan Powell remains missing. No one knows exactly what happened to her or where she is now, and the least that authorities can hope for is to find her remains. One can't help but wonder what could be the biggest secret that these three men brought to their graves was the weight of the guilt already too heavy, forcing them to finally call it quits for good. Number 4. Death by Arson Death is most certainly painful, but nothing can be more excruciating than to die by fire, as was the case of a woman from Utah. What's even more heartbreaking is that such an incident would go unsolved for many years. Around midnight on February 22, 1990, firefighters were called to a fire emergency happening in a house in Cottonwood Heights in Salt Lake County, Utah. Neighbors told authorities they heard screaming from inside the residential building where Michelle Holling, a 28-year-old mother, lived. Police reports indicated that the neighbors tried to break into the property in the hope of rescuing whoever was trapped inside. However, they were unable to do so. After the fire subsided, inspectors found out that the doors had been barricaded from the inside. What they found there was Holling's body, and it was so badly burned that medical examiners had to use her dental records to identify her. They also couldn't tell if she died by the fire or if she was killed beforehand. The subsequent investigation revealed that the fire definitely wasn't an accidental breakout, not with the presence of fire accelerants found in the victim's bed, and so an arson case was filed. Police couldn't be sure if the flammable liquid was also poured on the woman's body. Tests were made, but... Even after 30 years, investigators were still unable to arrive at a conclusion. Apparently, this was only one of many other questions surrounding the case. For instance, it was found that the mother of three had been living with her former boyfriend in that house. The man was among those questioned at the height of the investigation, and yet, much to everyone's bewilderment, he got off the hook right away. Reports said that he provided an alibi, but the police opted not to reveal to the public if his excuse was corroborated or not. The details of the subsequent interrogation were also being withheld. But that wasn't all. Up until today, no one knows the name of Holling's mysterious live-in partner. The police seemed to be so keen on hiding his identity that they took down and hid photos of him in their files. If there's anything known about him, it's the alleged information saying that he had been manufacturing and selling methamphetamine. One of Holling's children went on to confide that her mother had also been a user of the drug. A few possibilities are now being looked into. Could the arson and murder be the result of a botched drug business? Considering how the police immediately left him off the hook, could this also be some sort of a cover-up scheme? As of the moment, though, the Michelle Holling case remains open. Number three, disappearance of Bobby Campbell. The worst that could happen to a child is to be abandoned or be left by parents. They probably would grow up with a huge hole in their heart, a space that can only be filled by the very person who caused it. Bobby Campbell was just in her 20s when she had her daughter Stephanie. In 1994, the 24-year-old mother brought along with her the 5-year-old girl to visit some friends in Salt Lake City. In December of '94, the young mom left her child in the care of her host. That day, she planned on driving to town to pick up her paycheck have it cashed, and buy some supplies at a grocery store. Everyone got worried when she didn't come back that day, and upon investigations, it was found out that the young mother had never picked up her check, nor had she gone to the bank or the grocery store. So just like that, Bobby disappeared. Her family members thought this to be very uncharacteristic of her, considering that she couldn't live without her baby by her side. Her grandparents did tell the police that she may have been in danger due to her alleged drug addiction, and yet authorities couldn't seem to agree with such allegations knowing that there had been no erratic activity on her credit cards or financial accounts since 1995. With no leads to follow, the police had to toss the case into the back seat. Bobby's friends and family, however, kept on working to find clues. Six months after her disappearance, Salt Lake police received a tip saying that the woman may have been spotted in a local park. A follow-up investigation was made, but once again, it met a dead end. Then came the news in late 1995. The car she had driven the day she vanished was reportedly found abandoned near the Jordan River. Her makeup, purse, clothes, and even the Christmas presents she apparently bought were still inside. This was the biggest break in the case, but nothing came after that. Being missing for almost 30 years, detectives may have to conclude that Bobby is no longer alive. Despite this, her daughter Stephanie, who is now 26 years old, strongly believes that her blonde and blue-eyed mother, now 51, will be back someday. Such faith and optimism are nothing short of admirable, and prove a child's undying love for a mother who may or may not have abandoned her when she was little. Number 2. Murder of Anthony Adams The 70s are remembered for all sorts of controversial things like the death of Elvis Presley, the end of the decades-long Vietnam War, the Jackson 5 coming into the limelight, and of course, the Watergate scandal. But, in this era, also occurred one of the most highly publicized cold cases that shook the country, the Anthony Adams murder case. On November 6, 1978, a body was discovered nude, bathed in blood, and tethered against the radiator inside an apartment in Salt Lake City. The victim was later identified as Adams, working as a city bus driver, He was only 25 years old when he was stabbed multiple times. Five times in the neck and twice in his chest. At the height of the investigation, medical examiners emphasized that one neck wound cut so deep it nearly broke his spine. Investigators pointed out that this wound manifested the killer's intense hatred towards the deceased. This theory, though, couldn't have been further from the truth. It's worth noting that Adams was black, gay, and had been an ardent social activist, as well as an advocate of what was then the fledgling LGBTQ community in Salt Lake City. These three characteristics pretty much spell disaster for anyone living in the 70s. At least, that's what Adams' supporters and family believed. They also surmised that the local authorities never truly investigated the murder. Worse, they might even have eradicated significant pieces of evidence which could have helped in solving the case. Just recently, a team of Salt Lake City cold case detectives were going over some of the oldest cold cases docked in their office. One of them was Adams' And as they poured through the materials, they realized that their predecessors had indeed found some physical evidence related to the 35-year-old case. However, they also discovered that these materials had all but vanished in the thin air. These pieces of evidence may have offered a way for recent investigators to process DNA testing. Perhaps they could have come up with a DNA profile of the murderer, but apparently that chance is now gone. As of the moment, the prevailing working theory is that the killing could have been one of those chronic cases related to acts of violence against the LGBT people. In fact, a few weeks after the Adams incident, another gay man, Doug Coleman, was shot to death somewhere in Salt Lake City. Then, a few months later, a lesbian named Mona Ulibari was raped and murdered just a few blocks away from her home inside the city limits. The 70s definitely was a dark error for the LGBTQ people, not only in Utah but also around the country. We can only imagine the terror and fear the community dealt with in those days. Number 1. Murder of Rachel Runyon there's nothing as horrifying as hearing the news of a child being violated, raped, and worse, murdered. The case of Rachel Runyon shook the nation down to its very core, and its effect can still be felt to this day. This horror of a case began on August 26, 1982. The three year old Rachel and her two brothers were playing in the city park near their home in Sunset, Utah. Their mother, Elaine, went back home to grab some lunch, and at the same moment, an unidentified man approached the trio and began talking to them. He then offered to take the kids to get some ice cream at a nearby stand, which they agreed to. But just as the three were about to follow, the stranger picked Rachel up and shoved her into his car. He quickly drove off, leaving behind the two brothers, Nathan and Justin. The siblings told their mother about the incident. According to their testimonies, their sister's abductor was a tall, young black man with a prominent mustache. The Sunset Police Department immediately conducted a search and rescue operation. They set up roadblocks and questioned every individual that they suspected to have witnessed the incident. The operation went on for weeks, but the leads and information seemed lacking, hindering them from locating Rachel. 24 days later, the thing that everyone feared the most happened. On September 19th, a family traveling up on a mountain road in Mountain Green, Utah, discovered Rachel's naked body. She was found with her hands bound behind her back. The body was already in advanced state of decomposition, making it hard for authorities to identify the victim. Her chipped tooth, though, and ear piercings did help in confirming her identity. Details from the crime scene revealed the young girl had been molested, abused, tortured, and later murdered. Despite the incessant efforts of the police, they still couldn't find the ones responsible for the horrendous crime. Two and a half years later, a disturbing message was found written in the bathroom wall of a local laundromat. Beware... I'm still at large. I killed the little Runyon girl. Remember, beware, the chilling message read. Follow-up investigation was made, but the results didn't lead to anything, and then the case eventually went cold. Rachel's kidnapping and murder did pave way for the establishment of the child abduction alert system known as the Rachel Alert in Utah. The system was basically designed to alert everyone in the state of an active child abduction and missing child case. It was used until 2003 and after that the state and the whole country adapted the much standardized Amber Alert system. Rachel's untimely passing further prompted the federal government to quickly pass the Missing Children's Act in 1983. In this law, the information of all the missing children will be placed in the FBI's National Crime Information Computer Database. As heard as they were, Rachel's family, friends, and the Sunset community couldn't help but look into the impact of their little girl's death on the lives of other children. There are children who are alive today because of Rachel, a spokesperson of the Sunset Police Department said, and one of the annual events held to commemorate the child's death. And everyone can agree that she has become a beacon of hope for those who suffered the same fate and of those who are in the same situation. So there were five cold cases in Utah that remain mysterious. For each of these cases, including hundreds of others, there's a grieving mother, fathers, siblings, or friends who are hoping to attain justice for their loved ones. Don't hesitate to work with your local authorities in helping solve these cold cases in Utah if you can. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this video, then please subscribe and hit the notification bell to help us out. We have three new videos coming out every single week for you guys to check out. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you soon.